All right, all right, yeah. Yeah! <laughs> Woo! Dan Anthony, ladies and gentlemen. Hi. Hi. Um, Thank you for coming. Uh, next month we'll be in uh, Minneapolis. Uh, there's still a few tickets left for that. We'll be in Nashville. That's sold out. You fucked up. Uh, <laughs> go to uh, the Dollop Podcast. Uh, the Dollop the Dollop Podcast. Uh, Dollop Dollop Podcast.com, I think. Yeah, Dollop Podcast.com, uh, and uh, we're going to Australia. We're doing a tour there. So if you're an Australian, uh, you get tickets. And uh, yeah. New York, we'll be going to New York. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's on sale. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh sold out. You fucked up. Mm-hmm. Cool. Glad we're being um, public about that. I'm stuff. sorry. I'm having a hard time with the altitude. Yeah. <laughs> You're affected by that. I don't know if I can tell the story as well. This altitude is affecting me. <laughs> You're listening to the dollop. Each week, oh, it's a bilingual American history podcast. Each week, I. Uh, oh, no. You've got the face on where you're going to do swimmer. it. Pool swimmer? Pool swimmer. Interesting. Lawn fertilizer man? I fertilized lawns. New lawns or your lawn? New driveway owner, Dave Anthony. Reads a story from American history to his friend. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Son of a bitch. What? But what if I told you it's about Denver? Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, fresh from Australia, Will Anderson. It's an ultimate. Hello. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, it's nice to be here at the Robert and Judy Newman Center for the Performing Arts at the University of Denver. Yeah. I just call it UD. <laughs> March 6th, 1856. It immediately occurs to me that I should have looked up how to pronounce this guy's name. Well, I, let's... Harry Tammon. Harry Tammon? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it, already, is it my wrong? Tammon? What? Go with it. I think Mickey from Rocky's here. Go with it, Dave. Yeah, that was good. Get the chicken. Did I say it wrong? No, Okay. Who cares? All right, Dave, come on. We're not going to turn this... Get him a poster. Get him a gift basket. No, no, no. We we found a fucking hero. No. You can't even see where anyone is with your glasses. Work in the mines. Harry was born in Baltimore. His mother was German. His father was Dutch. (laughs) 
That's it. That's the story. <laughs> not very That's good. That's the end. It's not good. It's, that was the whole thing. It's a bad short story. His father died when he was eight. Because, that, because someone has to fucking die in the yeah. first two sentences. Yeah. <laughs> that is a tradition. Yeah. Uh, his, his mother had no money, penniless, so she was forced to send young Harry to an orphan home. Okay. Fun. And how old is he at this point? He's eight. He's eight years old and he's going to an orphanage. Okay. Yep. That's always good for your um, psychological, uh, you know. It's like makeup. summer camp, you insensitive bastard. Yeah, when your mom gets rid of you. Dude, yeah. these, oh, for God's sake, I'm sick of this debate. I mean, we're still having it today. Kids like to be separated from their parents at a young age. Puts hair on their chests. Boys and girls. Are you a giant or is that a small Pepsi? <laughs> Did you grow? I, I got really big. Oh, my God. It's the altitude. I swell. <laughs> oh, no, he's expanding. The last words she said to young Harry were, my little son, may love and good cheer always be with you. Oh. No. Anyway, see ya. Anyway, see ya. Wouldn't anyway, want to be ya. Anyway. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Catch okay. you on the flip side. No. Can't come visit. No. No. I don't have pennies. No. No pennies. Boy, your dad really screwed us, huh? He's gonna... <laughs> The whole dying thing? Yeah, he yeah. just quit on it. Could have yeah. fought. Just yeah. black lung. Yeah. Fight through. Or maybe how about leave a little money? I yeah. mean, he worked at the fucking consulate. He had cash. Don't spend it all, motherfucker. Yeah, I'd like to be buried with my money when it's all said and done. These are my wishes, my dear. <laughs> so for the rest of his life, Harry signed all of his lo- letters with love and good cheer. Wow. It's fucked up, right? <laughs> Surely. I mean, you know what? I know that it is fucked up, but we also know that this is going to make a heaps more psycho person when they grow up. <laughs> so, like, this is essentially just Batman's parents being killed in the alleyway. <laughs> it's sad. It's sad, but if it doesn't happen, you yeah. don't get fucking Batman. Yeah. So they've got to fucking die. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm saying is kill people's parents. <laughs> uh, we need stories. No, no, no. So if you're out on the street David. and see someone with David. their kids, you pop, pop. David. And then go, David. you're going to be a great doll for 20 years. David, Dave. What? No. We Stop. Need, we need no. to always be generating stories. David. Well, we're out of stories. I got to go kill some families. <laughs> Dave Anthony behind the dollop. <laughs> Harry got a job working at a German beer garden. So he's eight. He's... He's eight? No, he's not eight. He's yeah, doing he's eight. That eight. He got a job working at a German beer garden because he only spoke German. So he had to hook up with some other it's Germans. It's not the German beer garden that's throwing me. <laughs> well, the Germans didn't have any other businesses. All they had But he's were, an orphan. They well, they're just like, well, had... you got to bring in some money to pay for the gruel. I mean, we're over budget. I mean, it's a garden. <laughs> so he's just walking around like picking up steins? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I assume he's taking beers Hello, to tables. Hello, you people and... done with your beers? Okay. Mm. It's a, it's a German, but a little one. The it's voice, what? The voice you're doing, it's a little German. Yeah, it's a tiny German. Yeah. Eight years old, I can barely pick up all the steins. Yeah. With love and cheer, I take up all the steins. Uh-huh. And oh, food looks good. Uh-huh. Mm. When I close my eyes, I dream of sausage and chocolates. Did you, did you forget that you don't speak English? 
yeah, but this is a translation. <laughs> Otherwise, people would have no idea what I was saying. Ah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> if you're insinuating that I don't know German, you're crazy. Uh, for years, Harry would work in uh, different saloons in many cities. He learned to speak English listening to customers in bars and taught himself to read using the newspapers they left behind. So okay. if he's picking up English in a bar, like his yeah. language is awful. Good yeah. fucking morning to you. <laughs> he eventually worked his way up to head bartender at the Palmer House in Chicago. At age 11. Yeah, I mean, what, what is, yeah. <laughs> and then the owner of the fancy Windsor Hotel in Denver spotted Harry and talked him into coming out west to pour liquor for him there. A bar scout? <laughs> hey, then, kid. I know you like Chicago, but Denver's got a great bar scene. We'd love to get a 12-year-old like you slinging ales. <laughs> yeah, all my guys, they missed the glasses. They poured all over the bar. I need a guy who can put it in a glass. And I've seen you work. What you do is fucking incredible. Yeah, he's like a young Tom Cruise in cocktail. Yeah. Those speeches you give when you pour those drinks, kiddo. Are you ready for this? No. He was considered to be the best bartender in all of the West. What is yes. happening? That... First of all, is Chicago the West? It feels... No, when he went to Denver. Oh, when he went to Denver, yeah. they're yeah. like... Look at this guy! Hey, wait, watch, watch, watch. Hey, can I get a beer? Yeah. <laughs> Look at this guy. I make it a beer. A beer. You're like 30 now. Yeah, but... um Seth <laughs> is an accident for the Combine Harvester. <laughs> and, um... Well, let's say that I have nothing down in the... Say if it's an accident for the combine harvester. Okay. Anyway, enjoy your beers. Uh, so Denver in the 1880s and 1890s was considered a wide-open city with lots of gambling vice and con men. Sure. Right. Interesting. Some of them here tonight, that's obviously. Not, that's, that's nice. Not a, not a proud moment. <laughs> One con man claimed he dug up a petrified prehistoric man in the mountains. <laughs> I'm worried. Don't do this. Like that sort of guy? No, he was like, <laughs> I found one. Uh, it turns out he just paid someone to make it out of cement. He got teeth from local dentists. He used corn cobs for fingers and toes. He used, I'm sorry, he used corn cobs for fingers and toes? <laughs> He's a big, big fucking... Big guy. Uh, but go on and tell us how people saw through it. <laughs> uh, he got hair from the barbershop floor. That's a it hard on. ask. Yeah. Can I just get a bunch of hair? I got a thing going on hey, up, up in the mountains. Hey, the hair kid's here again. Yeah, I got a thing going on up in the mountains. Okay. I need some, I gotta get some more teeth. <laughs> Just coming to town to get some teeth, some corn, and some hair. I'm on a scavenger hunt. Good uh, cover. He then sold this fake prehistoric man for 772 pounds. Wow. Wow. So this gave Harry the idea to open up a curio store. A okay. curio store? I believe for the curious. 
Well, I don't know why you had to drop the last part, but okay. I guess that's part of the curiousness in its own right. Go on. Quote, he must be pretty smart, for Barnum himself was trimmed plenty here, and he was the baby who said a sucker is born every minute. So Harry planned to take advantage of the Taurus, or as he called them, suckers. Nice. Nice. Okay. He opened the store, selling arrows, quote, direct from the reservation, moccasins, wigwams, headdresses, and other, tons of other stuff that was not real. You could buy War Cloud's baby bonnet. You could buy what? War Cloud. War Cloud's the, baby bonnet? Uh-huh. Help with some details here, bud. Well, War Cloud, War Cloud is, a, is a chief, okay. a Native American chief, and uh, he never had a baby bonnet. That's fake. Like, like even as buy. a baby, or were they implying that he wore it around as a fully grown adult person? <laughs> like, as an affectation, because he was so fucking powerful, he was like, you know what, I'm going to play off this, like, yeah. Flavor Flav's clock or whatever. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Just a yeah. tiny little hat. You yeah, know. but he's the chief, so you can't really say yeah, anything. Like, like, you know Cloud, love the new look. Yeah. Adorable. He's got a pacifier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go make boo-boo. In my die-die. Uh... Sitting Bull's hat he sold? Sure. Oh, Sitting Bull didn't have a bonnet, too? <laughs> he annually sold 80 authenticated scalps. Uh, what? Wait. Quote, slain by Geronimo. Okay. So they were white guy's scalps okay. that were killed by Geronimo. Where, are they fake scalps? Or he yeah. just had, okay, so he made scalps. Geronimo's personal scalp was also sold many times. Right, sure. Well... Yeah, no, there's nine of them. They just, different sections. Yeah. yeah. Just kind of like cured bacon. Right. Yeah. I mean, this Sorry, is a guys. horrible case of scalping. Yeah. <laughs> but I... <laughs> I mean, he's scalping scalps. Yeah. Scalps, literally. <laughs> I call the fingers StubHub. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so this is kind of the invention of bullshit again, which we've stumbled well, on a I mean, few times. This is at the time of Barnum, right? So, so people... he's just getting on that fucking wagon. Sure. Quote, sometimes I am led to believe that our workmanship surpasses that of the Indians themselves. Mm. What? what is... He's saying he makes a better bonnet than, uh, <laughs> than War Cloud made for himself. Uh, sure, <laughs> sure. Did War Cloud ever catch wind of this thing? He's like, what is he doing? Your bonnet. Bonnet? <laughs> oh, Sitting Bull's corset? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is Geronimo's brooch collection. Um, <laughs> he loved flair. He was a big flair guy. <laughs> he laughed at the gullibility of the suckers and made in enough to build a home in 1890. Then he got his hands on an embalmed Native American woman from a bankrupt undertaker. From what oh. the fuck? Who? Oh. Yeah, I mean, he... So it's like undertaker. storage wars? Oh. Well, the undertaker... <laughs> oh. Right. oh, man, I hit hard times. I mean, oh. the only possession I really have left is this embalmed lady. <laughs> I'm selling her, but way undervalue. <laughs> she could be here for two easy payments... So he put up a sign. <laughs> what does the sign say? Quote, Moon Eye, the Petrified Indian. 
<laughs> That's the right noise. One young woman came up and took a close look at the corpse and immediately said it was a fake. Her name was Agnes Reed. In two years, she would be Harry's wife. Oh, my God. How'd you guys meet? <laughs> well... I mean, it's the ultimate meat cute. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Funny story. <laughs> Funny story. <laughs> well, I accused Harry's Native American who was embalmed of being faux. <laughs> and he denied it. And then asked if I liked Italian. And I did. And I did. <laughs> he then produced an embalmed Italian. And... <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So Harry was killing it. He was now worth over $150,000 and had two homes. And then the panic of 1893 came, and Harry was broke. And he was determined to make it all back. The Evening Post in Denver went up for sale, and Harry wanted to buy it. He believed someone could position himself as the people's champion and make quite a bit of money. Uh Uh-huh. What was the panic of 1893? I mean, I know, I know, but I don't well, think Will does. Ca- yeah. Obviously, I know a lot of so this in history, capitalism, Dave, In capitalism, if you've noticed, about every 20 now less years, uh, everything completely implodes, and the rich run away with all the money. So okay, that, then, was, uh, that was happening. Blah, 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 blah. Then why is the economy booming? <laughs> Fair Fair point. Yeah. You want to buy a bonnet? Things aren't good. I have so many Native American bonnets. I got them all. So it's real? I mean... They, they invented bonnets. Sure, yeah. And, and pacifiers. They invented all, most of the baby stuff. Except for Bjorns. They used to put babies on their head and walk around. It's in the books. You got me there. I'm not going to look it up, so. Good bluff call. Uh, so he wants, to buy, he wants to buy the posts and turn into a people's uh, champion uh, newspaper. Um, but he, was, he, was, he had no money. It was okay. a big sit- setback. So, and Denver was broke, so he went to Chicago to try to make some money. And there he heard about Frederick Gilmer Bonfils. What's his name? Oh. I mean, what happened? Seems like the people in the elite seats know some stuff. <laughs> I mean, that was a that was an audience just going, "Oh no!" But that's what it was, wasn't it? It wasn't like a boo no. or like this person's a villain. It was just like a, "Ah, oh, he found out." Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> We've revealed the Joker now. Yeah. What's the name again? Frederick Gilmer Bonfils. Oh. Bonfils? Here's where Dave gets angry about that. I don't, I don't care, because you're about to find out the whole name is bullshit anyway. I think we he could... was born in Troy, Missouri on December... What? Hey, hey guys... What the uh, fuck just happened? Okay, yeah... It's just, maybe if we could just get one of you to sort of lead Dave through some of it instead does, uh, of a bunch. Does one person want to handle the yelling? Okay. Thank you, sir. No, I, I had no idea what happened. Anyway. We've got the spokesman. 
his father was a judge named Eugene. Juge. Uh, his father was a juge named... Thank you. Eugene Napoleon Bonfiglio. What? Huge to the juge. <laughs> yeah, wait, that was his dad's name? Yep, Eugene Napoleon Bonfiglio. And what was the, what is the other guy's name? Hold on. The family was respected and well off, so they decided to change their name for simplification reasons. Eugene Napoleon Bonfiglio became Eugene Bonfies. Uh, Dave just gave the thumbs up if you're listening at home. From now on, we'll call him Fred. (laughs) Now, Fred always had a bit of a temper. It's just like a much more gritty version of the King's speech. It's a, it, the King just doesn't give a fuck when he knows it. He's like, fuck you all. I don't now get it. Is Fred, you happy, bitches? It's Fred now. Uh, Fred always had a bit of a temper. Uh, his dad was thrilled when he, when he was invited uh, to get an education at West Point. Sure. But he dropped out after uh, he was held back a grade because of a deficiency in mathematics. Because he had a deficiency, not yeah. because he discovered a deficiency. No. Right, okay. <laughs> I found a deficiency in mathematics. <laughs> Get the fuck out of our hey, school. Hey, 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 hey. Get the We're fuck out of our school. We're not going to reinvent the wheel. This is just simple addition. No, but there's a... Shut up. It's, Stop once, poking holes. Once you see Stop it, you it. can't unsee it. Get out of here. Get out of West Point. I've ruined math. <laughs> go. I would say go. We're subtracting you. Get out of here. Uh, He became a door-to-door salesman in New York And then he got a job uh, working at Chemical National Bank Where he learned about finance Mm -hmm. In 1886, he moved to Kansas City He saw an opportunity in the 1889 homesteading rush in the Oklahoma Territory That's a great rush Yeah (laughs) He bought land on the Texas side of the Oklahoma border Then advertised the lots in Oklahoma City, Texas. Oklahoma City appeared in large advertisements with Texas in tiny, tiny letters below. (laughs) The land was miles from any water and there was no railroad. It was all sagebrush and scrub oak. Fred sold 5,000 lots for $2 to 225 each, making $15,000 before the law shut him down for fraud. Okay, so another good guy. Yep. So he's got this bankroll, and he starts a lottery. He starts what? A lottery. Okay. Oh, boy. So back then, lotteries, up until, um, well, the mob took over lotteries, but for ages, the lotteries were just, was just run by a dude. Just a guy ran a lottery? Or, you know, or in, like, Bronzeville in Chicago, it was a, a, the black, the rich black guys ran it, and then the mob took it over. Like, it was, the lotteries were just run by different groups for their, own, are, for their own community, and then, and then eventually the state was like, oh, uh, let's do that. And then they took over all the lotteries. What, what, what kind of, what are we talking? Like a pick three, a power ball? Numbers. What are they it's running? The, it's just the fucking number. It wasn't a pick three. It's like a pick five usually. 
Okay. And so, yeah, so a guy would just run, run the lottery himself, and then you would... You would publicly, or was he just coming out like, here are the numbers nobody has? You would, he would, yeah. I mean, it was publicly, in a lot of places it wasn't illegal, um, and so you could just fucking run a lottery business. Okay, sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, that doesn't sound shady. It was a super popular form of gambling uh, at the time. Oh, man, so he, I wish someone would win someday. This lottery's hard. A good, good sign of a lottery, uh, a guy running a lottery was if they used various names. Uh, he used L.E. Wynn, uh, and he used the Little Louisiana Lottery Company. He just had a bunch of different names, always cranking them out. He made more than $100,000 in lottery profits. So he won the lottery. Yeah, because almost no one ever won. Yeah, that's, I, I mean, of So course. he was just taking people's money. Yeah. And right. being like, thank, yeah. thank you. Yeah, no, good luck. Good luck. Was it these yeah. numbers? No. <laughs> Try again. Pick no. better numbers. Well, thanks for trying. Was it this bunch? No. What, what were the numbers this, uh, this week? Well, well, why don't you tell me what your numbers were? A. Oh. A. Oh. A's a number? I found a deficiency yeah, yeah. with the math. Ro- <laughs> Roman. Roman numeral... Eleven? <laughs> Did you pick, pick X, X1? No? That was the first number. Uh, Boy, the and lottery's... The second, the, second, have... the second number was... Uh, uh, infinity? What? And then the third number was uh, Woodchuck. Was what? Nobody what was won the this third week, number? by the way. No one, no one picked those. So the lottery's just going to roll over until next week. It's like, a, it's like a, almost $100,000 now. Oh, boy. Yeah. I better start working. <laughs> and now I know you can pick letters and abstract numbers. And an- animals. And also animals. Yeah, we're, we've got one of the most diverse lotteries out there. That's awesome. If you ever win, you win big because it's animals... Roman numerals, letters. Oh, vegetables. Oh, veg. Huh. Carrot was on the one last week. Well, I certainly didn't pick any of those. Uh, so if you want in, it's $100. And I want your daughter. Just give me a second here, because just she's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now that I know you can pick vegetables, I'll do broccoli, cow, D. And question mark. Okay. That's pretty good. So the numbers this week were 12, 14, 7, 9, and 8. This week was all numbers. Yeah. Wasn't that next week's? No, it just... It's how, oh, you it's just, just did another lottery in your head? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. You got yeah, a got lottery a, brain. I got a spinner thing in my head. All right, then I'm going to pick numbers now. Okay. 15, 2, 8, 5. Oh, you were so close. What is it? Donkey, what cabbage. What the fuck, though? Every time I pick numbers, I it goes to characters and shit. It's just how the numbers come out and the, and the objects and the other stuff. Man, you're good at your job. Yeah, lotteries are tough. Yeah. You, yes. try, you try running it with all this stuff. Uh, I couldn't. Yeah. Okay, well. So I'm just going to take your daughter. Yeah, yeah, no, you earned them. <laughs> you earned the money and the daughter, so. Bye, Grace. Go with this man now. 
Uh, he was arrested twice. For what? <laughs> Once for loitering around a lottery. What, loitering Lo- around loitering. a lottery? What is that even? Hang on. Hey, buddy, <laughs> you hanging around a lottery? I love that. So he's running an organized gambling syndicate where nobody has a chance of winning, but it's the loitering charge that they fucking got him on. A lot of standing around. <laughs> uh, once he was arrested for conducting a lottery. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, okay. whichever town he was in that was illegal, he, he just paid small fines and then would leave the town mm. and go on and start and a new lottery. Yeah. Right. right. Harry was working in Chicago and he'd heard all about Fred. He thought Fred might be the guy to partner up with. Sure, he's got a good track record. And, and buy that newspaper. So, one day he learned that Fred was in the lobby of a Chicago hotel and Harry walked in and looked at Fred. Fred looked back and said, quote, who are you and what do you want? <laughs> Harry, kid, I hear you've got a million dollars in safety deposit boxes, and I'm going to shake you down for half of it. <laughs> Fred was impressed. What? <laughs> Every moment of that was unpredictable. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible intro, what? terrible pitch. I like what I see. <laughs> yeah. They had much lower standards for the original version of Shark Tank. Yeah. <laughs> much. Yeah. Uh, so they sat down and they talked, and Harry said he wanted to buy the Denver Post but needed capital, so Fred agreed to put up 12500 to buy it. And this ha- is right after they met? I think they talked for a while about it, but yeah. They, right. went, to, they went to lunch. They had lunch. and Oh, they had lunch. Discussed. Okay, I didn't know there was a meal. That makes sense then. Harry would be the, quote, publishing brains. So the two men bought the Post on October 28th, 1895. Fred was 34. Harry was 39. They were now newspaper men. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. (laughs) Is this Rupert Murdoch in some way? Uh, That's where it goes. (laughs) They were very different. Fred was private with few close friends and very tight-fisted. He once told Harry not to tip big. Quote, it only spoils a man to overpay him. To give him something he doesn't deserve. Uh, from fucking crooks. <laughs> He'll spoil him. <laughs> He'll get a taste of it. Harry was short, roly-poly, fun-loving, and a showman. Uh, well, now I'm having fun. <laughs> a showman. Yeah. Hey, look at me! I don't know if that's what a showman look is. Look at me! That's I'm just, Harry! That's just a weirdo standing there. Hey! Want to see me tumble down a hill? That's not a show. That's going to be fun. All we need are curtains. You haven't hit on a show yet. Na-na-da, ba-da-ba, wow. I'm going to spin around. Look who's got a cane. Ha-ha. Pow. Pow? Yama. Uh, their plan was to attack everyone who wasn't a working man with their paper. Oh, boy. Fred's advice to Harry was, quote, write the news for all the people, not just the rich and important or those who think they are. Harry said, quote, half the town is good and half the town is bad. The good ones will read the post to congratulate themselves on being so holy and the bad ones to see what we found out about them. Okay. So they immediately began sensational attacks against anyone in authority, saying they were, quote, unsuited to the people. Oh, no. All the governors were, quote, bad for the state and unfit for office. How many governors were there? Well, each one that came through. Oh, okay. I thought there was like when there were eight. Hello, we're the governor's unit. (laughs) 
they hammered Senator Tom Patterson, owner of the Rocky Mountain News. Patterson tried to ignore them, but he finally fought back in his pages. This led Fred to write the first of his editorial columns titled, So the People May Know. Oh, no. This no. column would become a regular fixture, and Fred would use it no. as a blunt instrument against his enemies. Oh, no. that's like Sinclair. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but can't kill us. Uh, and Harry dove into the label yellow journalism. Oh, no. Quote, we're yellow, but we're red. R-E-A-D. Wait. Uh, R-E-A-D. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Oh, they really should just have to fucking burn the whole place down based on that. Yeah. We're yellow, but we're red? Yeah. No, do a second draft. Come back to me with something else. <laughs> we're one of the first newspapers ever. All the good slogans aren't taken yeah. yet. Fucking go it, back. It's the Wild West slogan-wise. Attack. <laughs> we're yellow, but we're blue. Oh, my God. Get an office. Go to work. Yellow. I'm red. Catchier. Get a showman to sing it. They came up with slogans for the post, calling it Your Big Brother and the paper with a heart and soul. Oh, what? Is it like a smooth jazz station? (laughs) That's right. Meanwhile, rumors immediately began swirling that the post was blackmailing and strong-arming advertisers. Hmm. Uh That doesn't sound like it. It didn't help that Harry uh, and Fred... Harry said he and Fred were, quote, dangerous babies. Dangerous babies? It's a fucking great movie, by the way. (laughs) You ever seen it? Mel Gibson and Danny Glover are dangerous babies. It came out after the Lethal Weapon movies. It was kind of like a look who's talking meets Lethal Weapon thing. I'm getting a little too young for this. I'm a racist. <laughs> Let's go find sweet tits. <laughs> Jews run the media. Harry also said that they had, a, had ways of knowing things and it would be good for businesses and others to buy ads in the post. What? So that sort of sounds like strong arming yeah. if you're saying that. Making money, uh, they moved into a new building. The walls of their office were painted flaming red. Sure, nice. That's a nice vibe. Welcome to hell! (laughs) Yeah! They called it the Red Room. Everyone else in town quickly started to call it the Bucket of Blood. Oh, (laughs) Jesus. What? They should have got those other people in to do the slogans, too. (laughs) (laughs) It's heaps better. Wisdom of the crowd right there. That's a writer's room. They punched it up. <laughs> Everyone's idea is going to be better than one person's idea. Come on, guys. Chip in. Buck- bucket of blood. That's fucking great. I love it. Print. Red room. Get fucked. <laughs> we call it the red room. It's red. <laughs> and also you read newspapers. Well, you read them. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Doesn't work as well when you say it out loud. Reed's better. Oh, again. No, Red's Ah. better. Red's better. (laughs) Got a grammar deficiency. So uh, Fred's So the People May Know column kept blasting away at the powerful to the delight of the working man in Denver. One taking heat was an old architect named Ed Brooke. He had served in the Civil War 
Ed Brooks sent warnings telling Fred to stop his attacks, but that just made Fred keep writing the attacks. Mm. Ed Brooks' office happened to be across the street from the post, so Ed started sitting in his window and cleaning his rifle while staring across the street. (laughs) Quite a move. Wow. While staring across the street, uh, Fred suddenly stopped writing about Ed Brooke. Wow. <laughs> Why was that again? Because of the rifle cleaning? Yes. Oh, interesting. <laughs> He's a fucking kick-ass architect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Denzel Washington is the architect. Uh, so the post under Harry and Fred was an amazing success. Its ad revenue grew and circulation increased. When uh, Fred and Harry had purchased the paper in 1895, circulation was 4,000. So three years later, it was 27,000. Uh, this is in a city of 133,000. Wow. That's pretty good. Merchants in Denver tried to boycott the post, saying ad rates were too high. So the Post launched a child labor campaign against the leading department stores in the city. Oh, my God. (laughs) Jesus. Well, I mean, who would know more about child labor laws than someone who ran a pub at eight? (laughs) (laughs) Who was the best bartender in the West at 11? uh, So the people may know Fred attacked the stores. Quote, little girls poorly dressed with pale faces are employed in the department store sweatshops. Paying a dollar a week to work 75 hours may be okay in New York, but not in Denver. It's good foreshadowing for the future, though. <sighs> uh, so the merchants quickly backed down. Oh, God. This, this just helped their reputation as looking out for the little guy. When local coal companies refused to drop their prices, prices below $5 a ton... The Post bought a coal mine and sold coal for $3.75 a ton. The Coal Trust then dropped their prices to match Harry and Fred's, so Harry and Fred dropped the price to $3.30 a ton. Harry came up with the slogan, a full ton and an extra lump. In your lump, right? They they really should get someone else to do slogans. (laughs) (laughs) An extra lump. Yeah, I got a lump right here. That's right, we told you, an extra lump. Yeah. That's uh, right. I was going to go with a full ton and a tumor. Yeah. Not as catchy. The other papers in town, controlled by the wealthy, nicknamed Harry and Fred Nut and Lump. Nut and Lump? Nut and Lump. God, this is the problem. It's just, you can't bring weak shit to this fight. No. You lose. We just keep seeing it. Yeah, you got no chance. It's not enough. You got to go hard. Yeah, you got to go hard. Uh, the Post attacked high water rates and said the private uh, plant should be public. They went after the man who ran, uh, ran the trams. While all this was going on, the Post went full-on promotion crazy. The promotions were endless and insane. They installed... I mean, insane for this era is very insane. <laughs> they installed a siren on the roof of the building and would just set it off whenever they felt like it. What? Like an air raid siren or something. Like a, just a siren. Siren. Oh! What does that mean again? Okay. We own a newspaper! Get a bad vibe from them. 
just a roof siren. Yeah. Never been replicated for some reason. And, just and, throw and, sirens on buildings. Totally random. Just sitting around the office. Hey, you want to you want to set up the siren? Ah, that's a good idea. More cocaine. Once Harry had a well-known spiritualist drive a two-horse carriage through the streets of Denver blindfolded, searching for a hidden needle which the spiritualist found. What are you talking about? (laughs) But, like, was it also a needle that they just hid? Like, it wasn't like a lost needle, right? Like, the whole town of Denver hadn't come together and gone, someone's lost this needle. We need a fucking spiritualist to track it down. No, yeah, they it's were like... It's just a needle that they fucking just went and put somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And they looked, the spiritualist knew where it was. Yeah, he actually took off his mask and put it there before. It wasn't fucking missing. It's in the haystack. I found it. There, there was one needle in Denver. What? And, and the seamstress lost it on the way to the pharmacy. What? And so Is they this had, true? They had to bring... I can't tell. So they had to bring in a spiritualist to find it. (laughs) And the the only way... I'm communicating with the needle. It's in grave danger. Mm. Put on the siren. This is an emergency. I feel it over here. Good. Yeah, put the siren on. I'll tell you, the blindfold we could have done without, because that would come in super handy. Um... (laughs) Obviously... They also had to blindfold the spiritualist or else it wouldn't work because the spiritualist can't find stuff. No, for sure. It's like pin the tail on the donkey's bastard brother. Right. Yeah. So obviously it was all set up. What? David. people loved it. Loved it. Amazing. Loved it. All brought to you by the Post. I know which paper I'm going to read. The one that had that spiritualist find the needle. One day, people were walking down the street when they looked up to see Houdini in a straitjacket hanging upside down by his feet from a rope attached to the post balcony. I mean, wow. now they're warming up. <laughs> <laughs> they got Houdini in town. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> I think they I'm going to start reading that paper. They never let him down, and that's where he died. Oh, no. Well, they got the first story, though. Houdini, yeah. dead. <laughs> oh, no, not now. Don't use the siren now. No, it's for special occasions. It's crazy to use it now while a man's dying. Backward siren you think this is. Another day, people walking down the street were met by cages full of lions in what? front of the building. What? what? Yeah, all right. Now I'm, I'm starting a... to like this paper. Yeah. Lions? Yeah. <laughs> what the... Hey, Fred, I got an idea. Lions uh-huh. in cages. Uh-huh. Just right up uh-huh. front. Yeah, 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 that's great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll get Harry Houdini. Give me, give me a... Uh, yeah, give me, yeah, 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 it's great. Holy okay, shit, I'm gonna put the lions siren. and cages! Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna put the siren oh on. Oh, my God. I'm gonna put the siren on. I'm gonna oh put the siren, siren on. Oh, my God, I'm the siren. Okay, that's Woo! awesome, that's awesome. That is awesome. You are the siren. You are the motherfucking siren, my man. We are both the motherfucking siren, yeah. Uh, oh, my God, we forgot to take that Houdini. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Okay, 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 Go okay, fuck. okay. Act chill. What we'll do is, okay. <sighs> what we'll do is we'll throw them in some of those lion cages, right? Get rid of the evidence. Huh? Yeah, mm. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <sighs> Holy shit. Good brainstorm. Is it Thursday? I don't they believe in days anymore. <sighs> but we haven't put out the paper in a few days. <laughs> Could be problematic schedule-wise. 
Uh, some days Fred would prance about on the balcony holding cloth sacks full of pennies. He'd grab fistfuls and toss them down onto the street, and men would fight over the loose change as Fred yelled, Lucky, lucky, the post brings you luck. <laughs> Except Jesus. if you're the person punched in the street. Jesus Christ. Yeah, a lucky penny. Ow! <laughs> Oh, my God. I, I wanted yeah. to say yeah. that that wasn't the craziest thing. Yeah. Because the other things are so crazy. <laughs> but he, what he says, I think, tips it for me. That really... If I didn't know better, I'd say we had ourselves a Bruce's Millions situation. <laughs> lucky, lucky, the post brings you luck. What? <laughs> Give me the penny. Yeah. Snap. That, that is childhood trauma, though. With that mother penny list, now he's like, I'll show everyone how many pennies I have. <laughs> For I'm the pennyman. Take that, Batman. <laughs> the Post's really big first stunt was to sponsor a statewide beauty contest. Oh. oh. Miss Marguerite Frey won, and then the Post sent her to Chicago to take part in a larger contest against other newspapers' contestants. What, okay. what an era. What a so great it's like, time. So it's like the beginning of the Miss USA right. uh, pageant. Yeah. Miss Frey won that contest, too. She uh-huh. won that as well. Yep. The Post bragged about their girl until a Post employee blew the whistle. Oh. He quit and took the story to the rival news. Apparently, Miss Frey had been forced to sign a contract to turn over all her winnings to Fred. Oh, God. Who in return would give her a job at $10 an hour. Fred had been forced to sign the contract, was not told what was in it, and after signing, was refused a copy. Well, that's how that works normally. That's good. So, yeah. Yeah, good deal. Good deal for her. Yeah. And, like, she, like the prize was, like, $1,000, and he just took it. Oh, yeah, the art of the deal, for sure. Well, he didn't have enough money. No, for sure. No, he didn't have enough money. Yeah, that's how you get money, is you just take it from people. That's, yeah. Yeah. Then you then feel you can, good. And then you can walk through the dressing room while they all get dressed. <laughs> well, as long as you're public about it, that, I mean... As long as, you're okay, as, long as you just say it and, and no one cares. Yeah. yeah. And then you keep increasing the sort of language that you use as far as what you're able to do with your power. Yeah. And, and eventually you know. you're just a rapist, sexual assaulter, yeah. and, and, but James Gunn gets fired from directing. Yeah. Well, no, you just let the apathy slowly soak in. But the problem is he did it on Twitter. <laughs> right, right. If he had done it, if, if he had done it in real life, totally cool. Yeah. Don't no. you tweet yeah. your jokes about bad things. No, what we've learned is you can say anything you want on an entertainment bus or Twitter. You'll be fine. Yeah. Nice vibe in the room. I get weird. Some guy wrote. It's literally on. a few people just sitting there going, So when does the purge start? <laughs> Once the siren's on. Uh, we're, we're so close to the purge. Well, uh, the post moved to a new building on Champa Street. Someone and goes, Yes, good. 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 Champa! Yes. Yeah. Uh, they had open-air shows daily. The entire block was closed off so people could watch. Sometimes the event would last just seconds, 
Like the time vaudevillian act Gene Bendini caught a turnip on a fork he held in his mouth. I mean, it's no lions in a cage. It's no Houdini when you're just chucking a turnip at a guy who's got a fork in his gum. Hold on. Ask me where the turnip came from. Uh, Okay, where did the turnip come from? It was thrown from the 12th floor of the building across the street. (laughs) Yes! I would fucking watch that all day long. All day long. Get that guy back. Dave, that guy's dead. That guy's fucking awesome. Fuck Houdini. You're freaking... That Houdini hung upside down from a building that a had lions in front of threw it. threw a fucking turnip across a, the street and a dude caught it with a fork in his mouth. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Settle down. I mean... Calm down. <laughs> America <laughs> needs heroes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, Dave? That guy's gone, but, like, turnip man is more than just a man, Dave. It's a symbol. You could be turnip man. <laughs> It's a legacy, Dave. My wife is like, what, what, what are you doing? I have something I have to tell you, Heather. You've been reading in the newspapers about Turnip Man Shirley? No. Well, I'm him. What do you do? I'm afraid you have to find this out, but when I go to the turnip cave, uh, the garage, I... I've quit my job. The podcast is over. I also got you fired from your job. We're both going full-time in the turnip business. I have a bigger calling. Put the fork in my mouth. <laughs> Just stand, right, stand on the driveway and throw that turnip. <laughs> Go to the park and throw th- that bucket of turnips this way. It's practice time. You got to wonder, as he was practicing, how many times he got hit in the face by the turnip. <laughs> and how many times people were like, this probably isn't a good thing to do. Well, turnip's not a soft vegetable. You're getting hit by a fucking baseball. Like, that's... <laughs> a nice rooted vegetable. Nice I mean, I even admire the, the accuracy of the thrower, though, right? Like, that's a long distance. Like, it's as much the thrower as the receiver of the that's turnip. That's right. It should be applauded. That's, yeah, the unsung hero. Right. Yep. That's turn work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the post would also. I bet have... you the people uh, like who are descendants of the guy who threw the turnip are like, it's nice to finally hear him getting some credit. Yep, I They're think probably... for years they've been like, you know, actually, I think you could argue throwing the turnip is actually harder than actual. That, I mean, he gets all the fucking credit, yeah. but throwing the turnip like it's a guy, it's a fork yeah. on a movable guy's face, yeah, and he threw it right at the fu- and he gets nothing, nothing, yeah, until if you, now. If you are a relative of Gene. Bedini, please reach out to us. We need photographs. I, mean, I wonder if there's a photograph. Gene I mean, this is going to Bedini. be... Google's going to be like, are you okay? Um, Gene Bandini, turnip fork thrower. <laughs> Latest. <laughs> boy, boy, this is... <laughs> this is... This is not... There's a lot of graphs. Um, this is not what I was expecting. Are you telling me a graph through that? Well, this is the first thing that comes up. Oh, that's... Oh, nice read. Uh, 
Can, we, can I get a printout of that? That seems important. Quantitative gene-specific analysis of the tomato. <laughs> seems so like this Gene is... Bedini led to a lot of really important shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, the post would also have, quote, human flies crawl up the front of their building, circus ladies would slide down a rope as they held onto a pulley with their teeth. This is a newspaper, right? Yep. Okay. Just want to make sure we're still there. I also enjoy that their promotion model is only to advertise people in the vicinity of their building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I gotta read that newspaper. <laughs> they put what was called a time ball on the roof. Each day at noon, the ball would fall and smash down on the roof. People would gather to watch. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on at this place? I mean, so much cocaine. Tom, what are you waiting for? Ah, uh, fuck, I was, I was looking down at my watch. You lost your job two days ago. I gotta wait here until tomorrow. You know you have a beard now. God, because it's... It hits noon. And then, and then it... No, the siren's goes, on. They don't do it, it the siren's down, on. And then it goes down. Wow. We live in a wonderful age. You're 65 now. I never thought I'd see anything like it. At the same time, every day, it just goes down. What a world. You're dying, Tom. I just realized I'm blind. <laughs> it's a crazy yeah. thing to have dawn on you. Yeah. Well, I've been staring at the sun for like six weeks. Oh, you thought I the thought, sun was the ball? I thought that was the ball. Oh, buddy. Oh, fuck me. I mean, the doctor says you have like an hour and a half to live. Your life... Yeah. Jesus, my neck hurts. <laughs> yeah, you're petrified. <laughs> oh, that went on so long the iPad turned off. What? Always a bad sign. People, people listening at home are mad at me. Gareth's the funny one. No. Uh, the promotions were endless and constant. There were treasure hunts, crazy quilt contests. Crazy quilt, quilt contests? contests? Yeah. What is that? Just the sheet? No, you you would you would make a, a lady make, make a crazy, crazy quilt. quilt. Yeah, like there'd be crabs and corn on it. Like what? That, those don't go together. Oh my like, god! Look at that quilt. <laughs> Woo! Who knew? Uh, kid. What an era. Kid band contest, the biggest caught trout contest, birdhouse contest. What is? Can you slow down yeah. for a second? One I need more to time? go by them one by one. What were they? Kid band contest. Kid band contest. Kid bands. Biggest caught trout contest? Biggest, Biggest caught, caught trout. trout. Well, I mean, that's, I guess, did they have to specify caught? <laughs> you no. Know. Like, yeah, one guy's well, like, oh, yeah, I saw one over there. I was like, real big. <laughs> like, of course it's caught, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, no, no, I, I saw a bigger trout. I win. He was oh, chasing no. me. Now, you wouldn't know him. He's from Canada, but he's bigger. Well, your story checks out. Canadian trout are very big. 
I think we know um, who gets that bag of pennies. Birdhouse contest. <laughs> okay. Wow. And of course, a contest held for the best shaped foot. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, practically, who? aesthetically, like what were the guidelines for the who? shape of the foot? Like, I don't know. Handy to hang off something? Like, yeah. <laughs> like what, what are your parameters? It's got to just shape? be some huge foot pervert right. who's just like, oh yeah. yeah. And may oh. I put in my mouth? Yeah. Uh, just to weigh the toes. Oh, uh. That is nicely shaped. Oh boy. Hold on, let me check again. Uh. Oh. Oh, oh my God! Oh, my, oh. oh God! Oh God! You're gonna need a new crazy quilt. Oh yeah! <laughs> wow. This quilt has a birdhouse and a big trout oh. on it. Okay, I, I came. This one wins. Um, sorry, is that the prize? Remember tomorrow we're having a butthole contest. Oh my God! Oh my God! I'm getting ready for it. <laughs> you're lucky you're listening and not seeing. I've done a horrible thing. Oh, terrible. Um, there was also the most handsome back contest. What? Hey, what? Dave, come on. The most handsome what? Bat? Back? Back. Oh, back. Back. That, okay, that doesn't make it better. I, uh, <laughs> I paused for a minute, like that explained it. But no, the, the handsome most handsome back. back. Oh, that's a handsome, handsome back. back. Oh, you got a oh. good taste in foot and a handsome back. Wow. You are what I call the uh, full package. I, uh, I like big backs and I cannot lie. <laughs> <laughs> what a handsome back. Mm. Wow. Um. Next. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, buddy. Next. <laughs> buddy, your back is cute. Get out of here. Come back when it grows into a handsome back. Uh... They had ugly dog contests. Ugly dog? Yeah, ugly dog. Loudest dog contests. Loudest dog. And dog that scratched itself the most contests. What? Absolutely, uh, without question, horrible owners are fleeing up their dogs like it's the Roids era. Oh, no, I swear to God, she don't have fleas. She just itches like this all the time. She's always been super itchy. And look at how ugly she is. I think we got a Tufa. <laughs> Merchants would pay to have their name associated with events. So sure, sure. It would cost the paper nothing to do the events. Right. Uh, when the Broadway show The Underdog came to town, they reached out a to the classic. I don't know if you've seen that. That's the Hamilton of the 1800s. Yeah. <laughs> they reached out to the Post and said they would pay for a lot of ads if the paper could come up with a publicity stunt. Oh, how dare you? A man from the post went to the dog pound and asked to borrow all of the dogs there. Oh, nice. Boy. I like it. So uh, far. Prepare yeah. yourself. Oh. 
No, no, this is great, right? He's got all the dogs. No, 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 There's no. Nothing no. could go wrong with this. He's got he's... all the dogs that need rescues, and he's got them all together. And there's going to be some sort of event, and then people will see the dogs, no. and they'll love the dogs, and they'll be like, "I should get a dog. Dogs are amazing, and everything will work out fine." Right, no, Gareth? No, 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 no. This is some weird person who's going to turn him into a coat. <laughs> what would the person's name? Go ahead. Uh, they put. So they got. Uh, about and the pound is okay with that? They're like, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fucking the eight. Yeah. It's the 18, yeah, 90s. Like, yeah, take all the dogs. Yeah, take all the dogs. That actually does us a huge favor because you're some crazy stuff. a lot of these. You set them on fire, what are you doing? Take them. It's take them. Whoo. What uh, are we going to do now? So they put all the dogs in a chicken wire pen in the back of a very old wagon. Uh, and they wrote on the side, come see underdog. And then the wagon was tearing through the streets. But as the wagon reached City Hall, a wheel came off. Oh, God. It collapsed. Oh, no. Fell over onto its side. David, don't do this. The pen broke open, releasing over 100 dogs. Okay, I like it. Yes. 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 (laughs) And it was the greatest day that Denver ever saw. A <laughs> hundred free dogs just released oh. into the street. Oh, the insane! Amazing, just the ass sniffing going on. Oh. It's like, oh yeah, we got some catching up to do. Oh, good right. to see you, Todd. They charged into City Hall, into what? the police they department. They charged City Hall. Yes, into. They ran into City Hall. They ran into the police department. They ran into a meeting. We want to file a petition. <laughs> they ran into a meeting the mayor was having with the town supervisors. Hang one on, dog they're, they're went into the meetings. What? They're in the meeting. Yeah. The do- what? How it. did the dogs know to go to the mayor's <laughs> office? And they're all bark like all the dogs are barking like crazy. So are they like, animated dogs? <laughs> <laughs> one dog made his way into the mayor's office and shit on a clerk's desk. <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, the dogs had a vendetta against the newspaper because that fucking siren would set them off like oh, crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How did that happen? Were they dressed in, like, top hats and... <laughs> They're just smart dogs. <laughs> These are dogs from the streets. No. Smart dogs. While all these promotions were going on, Fred was blasting the other papers in his column. He said the Denver Evening Times was on its last legs, a paid shill for corporations that the people no longer read. The owner was furious, and he struck back with a story about Fred's past. The headline read, quote, F.G. Bonfires. That's uh, clearly a misspe- uh, autocorrect. <laughs> F.G. Bonfies forced to leave Kansas City because he swindled poor people. The reporting laid out all of Fred's lottery and other crimes while in Kansas City. The article took a swipe at Harry, saying without Fred, he would be ruined and forced back to the slums from whence he came. Wow. The Rocky Mountain News called the Post, quote, that blackmailing, blackguarding, nauseous sheet which stinks to high heaven and which is the shame of newspaper men the world over. Jesus. Well, somebody forgot about the quilt contest pretty fast. <laughs> what have you done for me lately in the stunt business? But people love the Post. Oh, of course we did. We're the idiots. Yay. One of the Post's most well-known reporters was Polly Pry. Polly Pry? It's a, it's a it made-up name, but yeah. Because she pried into stuff. Oh, cool. So Her po- first, Polly Pride. 
pry. 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 Prime. Pry. 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 Like, like, like you would pry open a door or you would pry into someone's affairs? You'd pry open a door. Okay. Well, both are applicable. And then you'd get into someone's affairs. Okay. They're prime affairs. Okay. Like the dogs pry into a mayor's office sort of deal. Right. Right. Her first article was about Colorado's mental health system titled, Our Insane Treatment of the Insane. Nice. People loved her writing because she decided to do a story about Colorado's prison system and was in the Cannon City Prison? Canyon, I assume? Canyon? Canyon City Prison when she met Alfred Packer. Hmm. Now, Alfred Packer had been a prospector who, in 1885, had traveled across the Colorado Mountains in the middle of winter with five men. It did not go well. <laughs> Everyone died except Alfred, and he ate them. No, what? No, Alfred. So, hang on, his name was Alfred Packer? Al Packer. <laughs> The confidence on your face with that one. You're like, next. We should give him a football to spike. Yeah. <laughs> He'd throw it backwards, though. Yep. <laughs> so he just ate everyone? Yeah. It's, when that happens, it sort of feels like a guy who just liked to eat people went on a hike. Yep. It's like, when did you try to get down? Uh, when I was finished eating the gang. Yeah. I was out of meat. <laughs> so he was... I call my gang the trail mix. <laughs> so he was convicted of killing and eating the men and sentenced to death by hanging. But the Colorado Supreme Court... <laughs> Whose heart just broke for him? Aww. We, yeah. we found our cannibal. Our... And he... And he, and he, he got offered his final meal and he said, I, I know where another gang member is. <laughs> Someone's like, oh, he was hungry. My only wish is that after I'm hanged, I'm allowed to eat myself. Uh, but the Colorado Supreme Court reversed the conviction as it was based on ex post facto law, which basically means the law didn't exist when he committed the crime. Okay. <laughs> they had to invent it for you so, eating everyone. <laughs> Yeah, basically. <laughs> you don't get to call dibs. Oh, I shouldn't have done it? I shouldn't have done it. Okay, now I know not to eat 12 of my friends. I think I can uh, admit to him uh, ignorance on this one. I just figured I would eat them. But uh, now I know, you know, try to get down. Yeah, that's the next move. With them. Yeah. Whew. Well, back to civilian life. I'll walk amongst you. <laughs> so Alfred was tried again and convicted of manslaughter and given, oh, come four, on. given 40 years. Four years? 40. 40, okay, that's way better. So after 14 years of this sentence, that's when Polly came to the prison and met Alfred. And she was like, she, ta she talked to him and she decided that he was innocent. So the Post <laughs> took up the cause to get him pardoned. Oh, no. It's like Joe Arpaio time. They hired uh, Alfred an attorney, W.W. 
Plug Hat oh, wait, Anderson. Wait, I thought he was hey, going to be the first <laughs> website. <laughs> www.legalzoom.com was hired. Yeah. His name was HTTP colon <laughs> backslash backslash. 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 <laughs> this is yep. my assistant and valid server. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. So w- she meets him, and she's like, you didn't eat those people. They hire the attorney, W.W. Plug Hat Anderson. Shut your mouth. That's his nickname, Plug Hat. His nickname is Plug Hat? Yeah, yeah I'm assuming you were a Plug I gotta Hat. I got to charge it. <laughs> Are you related to Plug Hat? Is he Plug Hat? Did you I, say? I think it's a kind of hat. It's a plug. Oh, okay. Sorry. I assume it's a kind of hat. I don't think hats have plugs in them. I don't think you can plug up a the hat. The Sharper Image catalog has a bunch of them. Or maybe when he puts on the hat, everyone's like, it's like a plug. A lot of, a lot of ways it's to go. It's a lot of hearsay happening up yeah. here right now. Anyway, Anderson would be paid $1,000 if Alfred Packer was pardoned. So the Post launched stories and editorials, but no one was budging. The governor said he would not pardon Alfred under any circumstances. Not unless a hundred dogs come in here. (laughs) My word! (laughs) So the Post went with a new tactic. They printed all the cases of guilty people convicted of crimes like murder and rape who had been pardoned, asking, quote, why not Packer? Okay. Come on. Two days later, I mean, Alfred it's not Packer the most compelling was... of all, like, you know, arguments in yeah. your favor, but you'll take it. Yeah, well, among eating, there is also a lot of murder. Two days later, Alfred Packer was paroled. What? He you then... swear you're not going to eat any more people no. if you, we let you out, Alfred? He then started hanging around the bucket of blood as sort of a bodyguard weirdo type. Mm. And then Polly heard that the lawyer, Anderson, had taken Alfred's Alfred's prison funds, which he'd earned working in the prison and making hair ropes and bridles. It totaled $1,500. Okay. So when Polly told Fred and Harry, Harry yelled, quote, we ought a sick packer on him. You should not say that. What? He's like Curly from the Three Stooges. So they, they totally know they got a fucking lunatic release, and a they don't cannibal. give a shit. They know they've got a they, cannibal. They're not two fucks given. <laughs> oh my god! They released a cannibal, and they're like, "Ha ha! <laughs> don't go eating us now, <laughs> you old scamp!" High five! Oh, don't eat it! Oh, oh, High five! Yeah. Don't mouth closed. Close that mouth. There you go. We got a petrified guy you can eat if you want. Tastes like corn. And then Anderson was told he would not be paid the $1,000 from Harry and Fred. If, if, does this upset the cannibal who just got out of jail? He's not there at the moment. Anderson's office was across the street. He put on his silk hat, buttoned up his top coat, and headed for the post. He walked into the bucket of blood, furious. Harry immediately started... And hungry. He's like, bucket of blood, huh? Mm. Ooh, that's human gravy. Mm. Harry immediately started calling Anderson a criminal. Anderson drummed his hands on the back of a chair and said, quote, Sir, I'm a Missourian and a man of culture. <laughs> what? That's not... Yeah. Uh-huh. I, no. Uh-huh. No. Well, you can't be both. 
Harry yelled at him, you're not a man at all, you're a low-down son of a bitch and a robber to boot. Anderson then put his hand into his pocket and Polly yelled, he's got a gun. Before he could pull it out, Fred was on him, punching him in the face and knocking him down. Fred then got on top of him and started to beat him and was going to beat him to death, but Polly yelled at him to stop. She said it would create a scandal. <laughs> what? She talked well, his I... talk. She's like She couldn't be like, don't kill him. She's like, people will talk about this. The other peoples are right about it. Yeah, you're uh, right. People will gossip sure. if I murder him with my hands right now. But I also love that he's a man who can still be reasoned with at that point. <laughs> like, he's like, actually, you make a compelling argument. I hadn't thought this through. Makes a lot of sense. Plus, my hands are starting to yeah, hurt. it really hurts. Well, so, we could just kill him and eat him. So Fred got off Anderson and told him to leave. Fred pushed Anderson out the door, but the door swung the other way, and Anderson came back through shooting a gun. Wow. The first shot went through Fred's shoulder and up into his throat. The second grazed his heart. Fred went down. Harry jumped behind a desk and started swearing at Anderson. That'll do it. Yeah. That'll. Anderson walked over and shot down, hitting Harry in the wrist and shoulder. Polly then stepped over Harry and hid him under her skirt. Oh. And he was oh, like, well, he's gone. <laughs> he was like, this is all right. I don't mind getting shot if this is what goes on. Would you keep your fucking voice down right now? I love buttholes. Shut up. That that's was why, my butt. That's why we did that contest. Oh, boy. <laughs> she then grabbed the gun holding the hot barrel. Anderson stopped and calmly walked out of the room in the building. He went, I should go. He went straight to police ho- headquarters, handed over his gun, saying, quote, Arrest me. I'm a murderer. I've killed two snakes. Harry's wounds were more painful than severe, but Fred would be recovering for a long time. One bullet was never removed. It was said he never fully recovered and had a hard time sleeping. Anderson was put in jail where he received flowers from the governor with a note that read, I congratulate you upon your intention. Tough note to write. (laughs) What do I say? Even after all that, the Post would not stop its tabloid ways. Oh, my God. And when local churches were complaining about the content of the Post, Harry and Fred challenged a group of them to put together the paper one day, and they accepted. The headlines were pleasant and pasteurized. Circulation that day nosedived. (laughs) Even the pastor's own flock criticized him for putting out a, quote, dull and silly newspaper. It's just a little too accurate. The church leaders' criticisms of the Post stopped. Harry and Fred didn't just attack, though. They also made up headlines and stories that were baffling. One classic was, Does it hurt to be born? Completely ignoring the mother's situation. What's the baby going through? Ow! That was hard to get out of. Whew, I'm chafed. Imagine, how do you find out? And what was it like for you? No comment again. Something happens in there they don't want to talk about. It's probably like a summer camp. The Post had the best hustlers on the streets selling their paper, like Birdless Collins, who was a blind boxer. What? Ex-boxer. Okay, for a Sorry. second there. 
how am I doing? He's not in the ring yet. <laughs> I'm gassed. They had the crying newsboy, a child who stood out in front of the post every day, arms full of papers, crying from what seemed like the world's worst heart heartbreak. People bought the paper because they felt so bad for him. <laughs> wow. That guy's the best. <laughs> Here's your change. The Post encouraged the uh, bedlam amongst the newsboys. They would toss out the additions in front of the plate glass press room and watch the boys fight over the papers. Oh, my God. This oh, is wow. pennies all over again. Quote, slaughterhouse style. Uh, that's where things die. <laughs> uh, but their success continued. By 1907, Denver had a population of 170,000, and the Post circulation was 83,000. Wow. More than the combined circulation of the other competing papers. The promotions were in tune with the style of Harry. He started a dog and pony show in a tent called Flodo Dog and Pony Show. Why Flodo? Well, a guy in the office had the last name Flodo, and Harry loved it. (laughs) Harry's a weird guy, huh? I mean, in a dog and pony show, does the dog fuck the pony or do the pony fuck the dog? That's a different dog and pony show. That's down in... Uh, Tijuana. Tijuana, yeah. yeah. It's the Tijuana dog and pony. Mm. Oh, no, Dave. Mm. It is <laughs> I mean, it is adorable. <laughs> but Harry wanted more. He soon increased the show. And Harry the post, wanted more. The post went into the circus business. Let's get a lift and get out of here. <laughs> But the circus was tough, and they needed a name, so they, bought, they brought in a partner named Sells. Sells? Sells. Sells was from a famous circus family, and they had sold their circus to Ringling. Oh, no. Harry named his new circus Sells Flodo to give it cachet. Cachet? <laughs> and then he used the Sells family photo for PR, even though only one member of the Sells family was in his circus. Oh, only a single Sell. So, so Ringling was furious because he had bought the Cells Circus for the name and the images of the family. He had bought the whole thing so he could go, the Cells are in this circus. So Ringling sued, asked for $2 million in damages and a restraining order to pre- prevent the Cells Floto Circus from using the PR photo of William Cells and his family. The battle went outside the court with Ringling s- sending men across the country to talk shit about Sells Flodo and even damaging the circus's property whenever possible. If Sells Flodo was coming to town, Ringling would put up signs that they would be there the next week even though they weren't coming. Okay. The circus wars. <laughs> the Post started calling Ringling Circus the coming soon circus. That's pretty good. Compared to other things, I mean. Uh, Harry's brother Frank ran the circus, which was, despite all this, somehow successful. Although at one point, a tiger got out of its cage, leapt on a pony, and then attacked a family and killed a girl. I mean, but on a pony, so it was adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, ah! 
Uh, a judge ruled for Ringling, and the Sells Photo Circus was not allowed to use the Sells family photo, but could use the name. Uh, the circus would never be a huge money maker, but Harry loved it. Oh, God, He also named his favorite elephant... No. Floto. Oh, God. <laughs> Floto. It's a, a weird phase he's going yeah. through. <laughs> it's perfect for yeah. everything. <laughs> well, he also never gave any money to Floto, so this guy in the office like, what the fuck? You're everything. <laughs> Precious. I love my Floto. The Post kept attacking the rich and politicians they hated. One politician said in a speech, quote, F.G. Bonfies is a public enemy and has left the trail of a slimy serpent across Colorado for 30 years. Their feud with ex-Senator Patterson, owner of the Rocky Mountain News and Denver Times, kept up. Just after Christmas, Christmas 1907, Patterson was walking to his paper's office. His paper had been attacking Fred for several days before Christmas. As he cut through a lot, he heard, Good morning! Patterson turned to reply and was punched in the face. Oh, my God. <laughs> He was then hit again, and he fell. It Good was evening. Fred. It was Fred. Fred kept hitting him on the ground and yelled, quote, if my name ever appears in your paper again, I'll shoot you like a dog. A groggy Patterson said he wouldn't stop. Uh, Fred was arrested. The trial was held on December 29th. A crowd gathered in the courtroom and actually cheered when certain things were testified about. Oh, wow. Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> Uh, it went on for two days with merchants and people in power testifying against Fred. Finally, he was found guilty and fined $50. Oh, my God. 50 God, Jesus. Harry and Fred also had an ongoing feud with Denver Mayor Robert Speer. They attacked him relentlessly and called him a puppet of the city's private utilities. When a tram company was given the city contract, Fred screamed fraud in his column. The owner of the tram company sued Harry and Fred for libel. Fred wrote that the judge in the case was already bought and called him a pinhead. The judge gave Fred 60 days in jails and a $5,000 fine. Harry was Wait, like, he got... Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Swift justice. <laughs> he beat the shit out of a man in the street and got a $50, $50? fine. $50? He called the judge a pinhead, got 60 days and a $5,000 fine. <laughs> Interesting that's right. How... You, re- you got America right. Yeah. Good thing that'll continue. <laughs> Uh, Harry was on vacation in Hawaii at the time, but he learned when he got back, he'd get the same punishment. So when he got back, he marched right into the court, heard the charges, and when he was about to be sentenced, he yelled at the judge, look here, judge, you and I know this is nothing but a cat and dog fight. You can put me in jail for 20 years, but I'll get you yet. The judge was shocked and said, case dismissed. What? (laughs) Who is... The Honorable Judge Pussy presiding... What? That's a brave defense. Yeah. That's what you got to go with. A few years later, Fred got into it with Thomas O'Donnell, who was a corporate attorney uh, currently working for the Water Department. The Water Department was looking to renew its franchise with the city of Denver. The Post was against the deal. O'Donnell called the Post the Black Hand. The two men were in the courthouse walking into a courtroom one day when Fred said he wasn't scared of O'Donnell. O'Donnell said Fred had never scared him. Oh. Fred that said, quote, a scare off, huh? Fred that said, quote, I'm unarmed, but I will go into a room with you and fight it out. O'Donnell replied, all right, let's find a room. I think there's a conference room on the third floor. Uh, it's if already If we can move the table, get some of the chairs out of there, really open it up for a fight club. 
Fred then punched him in the face. <laughs> hey, what about the room? One of Fred's muscle men then grabbed O'Donnell from behind and Fred punched away. Neither man ended up pressing charges, although Fred wanted to, but the other guy didn't. He hurt my hand. <laughs> Even with all these transgressions, the post was still the favorite of the working men of Denver. Until 1920, when the streetcar workers went on strike. They demanded higher pay. Harry and Fred, for the first time, went against the working man. Fred's column attacked them, saying they were being driven by foreign agitators. All union men in Denver were now angry with the post. And on August 5th, the, stri the strikers began to riot. Three streetcars were overturned. They fought with the cops. Two strikers were killed. The mayor asked for citizens to volunteer to help. The riot went on from 5 p.m. until after midnight when someone yelled, quote, let's get the post. Okay. A mob formed around the building and kids started throwing stones at the large plate glass windows. Soon They'll everyone... They'll hit Houdini! <laughs> Soon everyone seemed to be armed with poles, iron bars, and shovels. The workers in the post ran away from the windows and then out the rear door, and as they did, the mob stormed into the building. Suddenly, a ladder appeared over the mob in front and leaned against the building, direct access to the bucket of blood. Men, men streamed up the ladder. One ripped out a water faucet, and water gushed out. Then they looked to rip every water faucet out to flood the building. That's how you get them. Someone tried to light a fire uh, with well, all the that's files. That's a ridiculous thing to do when you've just wet everything in the building. Yeah. Other way around, boys! Other way around! <laughs> we try to burn it, then we try to drown it! It doesn't work the other way, Gary! Get rid. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this Tinder lighting? So they tried to light the files on fire, but the gushing water put it out. Men then went into the basement and attacked the printing presses. The post, offices, uh, the post offices were completely destroyed for over an hour until the chief led men in to stop it. The chief, his head was bandaged because he had been hit in the head with a brick. Mm. Uh, but the post managed to get the paper out the next day, and Fred attacked the mob and the Soviets who had influenced them. Oh, my, what is going on? Do you, on? On. Do you just blame the Russians? <laughs> Always got to be the Russians. Quote, Bolshevism, Sovietism. Why would they do something like that? <laughs> Wouldn't. <laughs> Wouldn't. Play the tape back. You'll hear I meant to say wouldn't the whole time. Quote, Bolshevism, Sovietism, and anarchy with gun and torch have leaped from bloody and ravished Russia to our beloved land. So do not feel sorry for the post. Feel sorry for yourself for your children, for your country, and for civilization. For no man may know who is next on the list. American history is actually just filled with uh, rich people losing battles and using it to say the common man needs to be saved from the left. Anyway, the strikers lost. I mean, it's also a controversial opinion to go after the communists when your newspaper slogan is most read. Uh, the strike for livable, wage, livable wages had failed. Fred blamed youths in the city for attacks, the attacks instead of the workers who he'd always supported. He was totally delusional. There were said to be many well-dressed men in the mob. Harry sold the Sells Flato Circus in 1920. 
He was getting older and having no kids. He started talking about giving his money to charity. What? One that I started. Uh, Teapot Dome was a place in Wyoming. It was on top of one of the richest oil fields in the country and was set aside as a naval reserve for oil. The corrupt Secretary of State of the Interior allowed two oilmen to get no-bid lucrative leases on the teapot, and at the same time, they fucked another oil man out of a nearby deal costing him millions. Fred was friends with the guy that had been, that had been fucked out of the deal and began writing about the teapot dome in the Post. The Post was the first newspaper in the country to question the leases at Teapot Dome. He kept investigating and coming up with information. Then at one point, all the involved parties met, including Harry and Fred. They walked away with a couple hundred thousand and killed the story. Wow. But other papers kept at it and sued. Fred and Harry had to testify in Congress. One senator went after Fred until Fred yelled, quote, you talk to me as though I was a common criminal. Yes. It went on like this for some time as the senators kept pointing out the Post had stopped printing anything about the scandal while Fred claimed it was not true. After uh, the Denver Post praised Fred under the headline, quote, Bonfies exposed huge teapot conspiracy. That's quite a headline. uh, That's not a good headline. I just would have gone with right said Fred. Uh, the Rocky Mountain News made fun of Fred's version of events. Quote, apparently devoid of all shame and any sense of morality, Fred Bonfies, one of the owners of the Denver Post, today put on a bold face and coolly confessed to the Senate committee investigating the Teapot Dome, Dome oil scandal that he and his partner, H.H. H. Tammon, had shaken down Harry F. Sinclair. Um, but things got awkward a couple days later when it came out that the news owner had also profited from the scandal. <laughs> course. But it turned out to be one of the biggest scandals in American history, and they had killed the story. The American Society of Newspaper Editors formed a committee that issued a report saying Fred should be thrown out of the society. He tried to work things behind the scenes to save face, but in the end, he resigned from the group. Even with all this, the Post continued to do very well. They knew how to put out a paper people wanted to read with salacious stories, and people kept buying it. And if people bought it, advertisers would pay for ads. As Fred said, quote, a dogfight in a Denver street is more important than a war in Europe. I mean, for the dog. At least... It, <laughs> <laughs> what does the dog care about the war in fucking Europe? You know what I mean? Like... March into the Prime Minister's office. (laughs) Go to Parliament. (laughs) Fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. All right, Dave, all right. Come on. Harry's health had declined ever since he sold his precious circus. In 1924, he was diagnosed with cancer and died. He donated half of his fortune to the children's hospital, and the other half went to his wife, Fred was now alone at 63. In 1928, Fred declared in the Post that he was putting all of his fortune into the Frederick G. Bonfies Foundation for the Betterment of Mankind. That's nice. That's nice. It'll be interesting to see what that charity does with that money. For the betterment of mankind. Yeah. No one could figure out what it meant. Sure. Well, there was no explanation. Well, 
It was just a thing. Sure, that's whatever. Fred bought a room in the Fairmount Cemetery Mausoleum, which cost $30,000. Nice. That's good to get those accommodations right for your corpse. Yeah. Fred died in February 1933 after coming down with the flu, which turned into pneumonia at the time. His estate was worth an estimated $20 million. Wow. Uh, The house that bullshit built. (sighs) There are just a lot of parallels. They were like the first tabloid guys. Yeah. I think we all felt like there was a second half to that sentence, but uh, I guess leave them wanting more. That's what they say, right, David? They were the first ones. Well, I will say this. I'm right there with you, man. No collusion. I'm right there with you. Oh, boy. That's tough. It's, anyway, uh, they were cool. You got some cool people in your town. It is so similar to w- the way that we get our fix now from the sensationalism of the shit that's happening. What? No, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to point out some parallels in what you've prepared. Huh? Um, but we would we enjoy that so much more than the boring truth. You'd rather the wild bullshit than the boring truth. Always. And that just, you know, doesn't seem to be working out great. No, it's going great. No. No, Everything it isn't. Everything is fucking awesome right now. <laughs> what, what's wrong in this country? Oh, boy. <laughs> Things are great? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what do you have a good feeling about right now? I'm curious. Schumer's great. Uh, Amy tried. Schumer? Amy no. Schumer, yeah. No. It's great. Her uncle. Uh, her uncle Chuck. Her uncle Chuck. He's the uh, spokesman for good posture, okay. uh, Chuck Schumer. <laughs> the man whose head is buried in his sternum. The man who were like, you must have the spine to fight this, while he's just like, what I had was too dry at lunch. I forget what I was fighting for. Anyway, that guy, I like him. And then uh, we... Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. We're not, we're not arresting Irish immigrants. Nice. Or, or Swedish, or Norwegians, or Dutch, or English, or... Mm-hmm. What's happening right now? I'm just thinking of all the people who are not arresting it, but the Mexicans are in cages. Anyway. Russia. <laughs> Russia, 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 Russia. Kids are in cages. Russia, 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 Russia. Hey, kids are in cages. Russia, 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 Russia. Hey, that's what the Nazis did. Russia, 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 Russia. Oh, my God. We are just so fucked. (laughs) This would be a really good time for someone in the audience to release 100 dogs. (laughs) Uh, Well, we know a finish when we hit one. 
Thank you very much, guys. Thank you to Will Anderson. We appreciate it so much. Thank you. VIPs stay in the room. Yeah, VIPs stay in the room at the Robert and Judy Newman Center for the Performing Arts at the University of Denver. Thank you. All right. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it. After it. Let's see you there.